0: We are impossible to stop.
1: America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in, foot him in, uh, foot, foot, excuse me, in the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping.
0: We need to internalize that democracy has failed. We will not vote our way out of this. There is absolutely no way. We need to bankrupt them. We need to make sure that they cannot pay the enforcers. They cannot pay the bureaucrats.
2: Um, The only way we can remove their resources is by creating a Bitcoin standard, which they will not be able to live under. When Bitcoin does starve the central bank fiat system, you will see Uh, the full extent of a war on Bitcoiners.
0: Continuously thinking about what regulations exist and thinking nothing about the actual rights of the people. Instead saying, well, this regulation exists and this might happen and this it's not at all about what we have the right to do. It's it's, okay, well, these things exist, therefore we have to we have to submit to the state. This guy is an altcoin apologist at the core. He's trying to figure out ways to argue that things are decentralized enough. I'm sick of people like this. That's why I hate Lawyers, I
2: hate them. Bitcoin is the only way. It's the the only mechanism
0: that we have that's actually peaceful. So if you want to remain peaceful, then hop onto Bitcoin because that's our only option. Welcome to Toxic Airwaves. Just me flying solo tonight with everybody in spaces. Uh, Skeef couldn't make it. Uh, We got Zorn in the chat. Uh, But yeah, getting back from the Miami conference, still recovering. A lot of fun. Uh, I went to one talk, which was the live RHR. I'll talk a little bit more about the conference, but yeah, uh, man. Title of the show tonight, bankrupt the bureaucrats. And I just think it's time. I mean, there was a lot of people giving shit to people at the conference. I think a lot of it was warranted. There was a lot of shit coining, Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, I feel like the ultimate shit coin is politics and trying to mesh Bitcoin and politics and like blur the lines between the community. You know what Bitcoin is doing is, is creating a system outside of this fucked up system that does not serve us. And going in and trying to sit for politicians and, you know, play the whole game with regulations and whatever, I think is a complete waste of time. I think it's counterproductive. And I think, you know, like Francis said in the intro, democracy has failed and we're not getting our way out of voting. We get out, we're going to get our way out of here by using technology and absolutely, absolute, I can't even talk obsoleting these idiots. So like Joe Biden's coming out, he's talking about passing laws uh, on 3d gun printing. Well, Joe Biden, go get fucked. We all have 3d gun printers and we have the internet. We have tons of people with the files downloaded who are not going to comply. And like Jimmy song was saying, you know, these people have this mindset of, you know, we need to work within this regulatory environment environment. I disagree We need to be acting based on what we have the right to. And I'm tired of the state coming in, stealing my shit and dictating to me what I can and can't do. They can go get fucked. Like I'm not waiting for permission from a bureaucrat to live free. And tons of people get this. Tons of people get this. Everybody that's ever done a drug in their life gets this. And you know, we like if you comply, you're complying and supporting, you know, pedophilic monsters that are mass murderers. It's like that that's how cut and dry it is. So yeah. Um I'm gonna stop ranting, open up and open up the spaces, but yeah. How you guys doing tonight in spaces? We are happy to be here. Yeah any of you as fired up as I am on this? Hell yeah. Uh, I was thinking like uh, when uh,
3: Mallers was giving his presentation and basically, you know, I've been posting about it since it happened, you know, being able not waiting for the regular, you know, the regulations or the framework, you know, basically just built a way to, you know, use your tour to buy the Coke over lightning. You know, Um, we don't, We don't need to wait around. I agree with you. We don't really need these fucking sycophants in power to tell us, give us the okay, fuck them. They're on the way out. They just don't know it yet. Or maybe they do, but we all do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, talking from, like, a practical standpoint, like, I think it's much more productive to go about trying to build ways for people to get Bitcoin in a non-KYC manner, Uh, looking for ways for people to trade with each other. It's like, okay, McDonald's accepts Bitcoin. Uh, That's cool and whatever. But what I think would be way more bullish is your local farmer's market, Uh, individuals there to start accepting, transacting in Bitcoin. Like, I think those are much more practical ways to go about it and there's a billion you know there's tons of us there's tons of us that are in this space that are ideological ideologically driven that understand that the choices are either Bitcoin or slavery and are going to take action based on that that can go and find our individual ways of injecting freedom and liberation into our local communities and yeah I think that's That's where my focus is, at least. And we've been successful. Every Bitcoin meetup we have in Arizona, there's a chance to buy non-KYC Bitcoin. That's super, super exciting.
4: Yeah. That's awesome. People need to execute on that.
0: Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I'm so incredibly bullish right now. And... It's not because of the price... And it's not because of some big announcement, but it's because, you know, we're going to win this and we're going to win this based on incentives. You know, the free market's an incredibly powerful force and the state is just an illusion. You know, there's no such thing as political authority. We've all been lied to, to believe that it is a thing, but there's no reason why Joe Biden or anybody else has the legitimacy to sit on a throne and rule over you and dictate to you that you can't print a 3D gun or 3D print a gun or do whatever you want. Then go get fucked.
3: I agree, but I am also bullish for those reasons and because of the big announcements and price. So I'm just going to throw that out there.
0: Yeah. So I didn't really pay attention to what was going on this week um with the conference and the announcements but what, what were some of the announcements that happened
3: well you know strike had their whole spiel where you know uh, he, uh the, the video basically is what really set me off like i've been meaning to get a node going but like him Mallers like going into a corner store scanning a QR code and having Sats leave, you know, leave his note and then be exchanged into dollars to buy a Coke or a beer or whatever it was he was buying. It was like really eye-opening. I mean, that was probably the peak for me and many others. And then, you know, there was the, the wartime council and the, uh, you know, was the Svetsky and them and then the memetic council or the not council, I'm sorry, like talk, you know, keynotes or whatever talking about, you know, Make your memes. Memes are a type of, you know, like, I guess warfare, the way they were putting it was really good. And then there was like some shitcoin coin stuff. You know, everybody was talking about their stable coins and how we're going to get stable coin regulation. And it was some bullshit. Didn't really enjoy that part. Um, You know, it was all it was overall, I think, a pretty good conference. But I think we need to double down even harder. Bitcoin only
5: yeah definitely I, I think that's a huge thing and like that was the one thing that was a huge turn off to me like every time those fucking speakers would say or yeah i guess cause whatever uh would say um, crypto and cryptocurrencies and all these different things it's like w- like where did these people come from? like how is this even possible like why is um certain people even like allowed to talk or there like Like, what are these, like, I mean, I know that, you know, the Bitcoin conference has to, like, make a profit or, like, you know, they're making money on these speakers or whatever to make this even happen. But it's like, come on now, like, you know, they said in, like, I thought on their terms of service or something that they wouldn't talk about cryptocurrencies and all this other shit points. So it's kind of a little disappointing, honestly, but I think overall it's positive.
0: Yeah, I mean I think that's just to be expected for a conference like that. And I think when you're going to a conference, the goal is to hang out with plebs, you know, to hang out with people and see them. And the talks are, you know, like one thing and For sure. It's whatever. And you know, I think there's a lot of shit talking on on Twitter and whatever, but you know, that's how it is every year at that conference. Um, it shouldn't be a surprise and it's not going to be changed. And, you know, they're trying to cater to a wide audience. And like, this is something like the stance we've taken on this show is we're not trying to cater to a wide audience. We don't give a shit about everybody else else out there. You know, we want to talk to people that get it, people that are actually going to do something instead of sitting on their asses and, and talking about, you know, Bitcoin going to a million dollars and we're gonna buy a Lamborghini and you know, we're gonna do this once everything's KYC'd and there's a Bitcoin ETF and you know, whatever the stupid, you know, conversation is on that. Um so, you know, we're yeah. Um I feel you there. So yeah.
3: I I mean,
6: it's gonna get bigger and more stupid and we just have to accept it and know that there are safe spaces for those of us that are maxis and you know actually know what's going on
0: yeah I mean there's probably going to be a point where to get into that conference you need to have a certain social credit score and <laughs> if, if you want to have a good social credit score you better turn this show off right now um, because you're going to be losing some some points
2: I'm actually to- about oh, to
3: make a fake account and turn the show on twice oh Ooh. there
0: you go yeah,
3: they can fuck themselves. Yeah, big time, big time. Yeah,
0: but well, I mean, that that's like you know where we have the potential to go, and it's just a question of whether you want to comply, and yeah, do you want to be a part of the solution to the, to these issues or,
5: or not? Um, well, I think to, real, real quick, I just thought I'd mention while we're talking about this thing is just that uh, um. I know that I think in August that there is a conference that's Bitcoin only, like a hundred percent in Austin. Um, it's like big block boom or something. Um, and I think they're only allowing like 700 attendees. Like the, there's going to be a cap of 700 people that are able to go to it, which is unfortunate, you know, but, and they said that they're almost sold out and stuff. So yeah, I think that it's um, going to be, you know, There's hope that, you know, for Bitcoin, you know, max is basically, I think so.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's always hope
5: and. Well, not, you know, like, yeah. Yeah.
0: Like this, this is something we did with our meetups in Arizona is we, you know, there were other Bitcoin ish meetups going on and we just started our own and had the firm foundation of like, this is going to be Bitcoin only this is the only thing we care about. This is the only thing that's interesting. And if you want to come and talk about shit coins, like just go to your meetup, go start, go start your Solana meetup that won't last more than six months because your, your chain is stupid and it's not going to work. But, um, they're, they're out there, you know, it's, it's not the majority of the population, but you know, if you also look at the majority of the population, if you're looking at, what to do from the majority of the population, you're kind of just fucked because everybody's making stupid decisions. Like, it's the minority, ultimately, that, you know, you want to look out for what they're doing. And sure, there's a minority of people doing stupid shit too, but um, the signal doesn't come from, you know, the big shows or the big speakers or, you know, whatever. Um, Okay, so in the comments, Chris says, yeah, did you catch the home mining stage? The future bits uh five terahush desktop miner node looks cool. Um yeah I I've I've seen that before. Somebody was asking me about it. And if you're getting it from the stance of you know you want to get this kind of cool node that also binds Bitcoin, I think that makes sense. But if you price it, I think it's somewhere close to a thousand dollars. Um I don't remember off the top of my head. And so, getting it from the standpoint of mining doesn't really make sense. I think everybody that's interested in mining should buy an S nine, uh, and you can do things to mitigate the heat and the noise pretty inexpensively. But that's going to be a much better investment for mining than a a, a desktop miner. But yeah, it, I mean, there was a product that came out that I got scammed by, um, not really scammed by, but you know, fell for called uh Coin Mine a while ago that was a novelty miner, um which was kind of dumb. Um but yeah they, they always come out with those. But yeah I'll have to I'll have to watch it. So Diverter and Econo Alchemist did that. Um and those guys are pretty dope. But all right. I am off the rails, alright.
3: <laughs> I will say I didn't I haven't watched much of anything from the open source stage yet. Um, I didn't really watch too much stuff on mining. But one thing that I found like kinda interesting was uh during one of Senator Loomis's uh talks where she was, you know, on stage with whoever, you know, it was kinda I don't know, like telegraphing, basically like kind of shilling for like private sector stable coins and how she, you know, it kinda sounded like she they that the government or whoever was kind of like in favor of like, instead of it being a CBDC, we're gonna take the power out of the hands and give it to the private sector to, uh, you know, issue the money and like, you know, we're gonna regulate these stable coins and it's gonna be so much better than a CBDC. And, you know, maybe that's a telegraph from, from her, you know, giving like a, a peek of like where they sit at. But as we said before, fuck
4: them, fuck them, fuck them. yeah.
0: I don't want any Bitcoin politicians. I don't want any politicians. Politicians are parasites. Thanks, Zorn. Oh, yeah. I raised the the minimum from two sats to 69 sats on the, the tip function on the stream, and Zorn's complaining. I thought 69 was funnier. But if you really want Zorn, I'll, I'll lower it for you so you can send me two sats. But... Um yeah, no yeah. I this is something I've been talking about for a little bit on the show is that I think the shit coins are coming to Bitcoin and like I, I forgot who said it today, but I saw them talking about it. It might have been Giacomo Zuko um talking about just how uninteresting stable coins are, period. Like we're trying to get to a Bitcoin standard, not like the silly dollar standard, like in, any stable coin is going to be custodied and issued by some bank. And it's just, it's dumb and it defeats the purpose. Um, I, I think it's much more exciting to be transacting in Bitcoin with the lightning network than it is to be issuing uh, shit coins on Bitcoin. And, yeah, I mean you you could totally see that. I mean there's a lot of discussion of this if the, the central if they if they issued a central bank digital currency, it would essentially be overcutting all of the private banks in the US which kind of own everything. And I don't think they'd want that. So you could see that happening where JP Morgan or uh Bank of America or whichever one of these banks that owns a piece of the Federal Reserve, issues their own stable coin. So that's kind of interesting, Rube. Do you have any more thoughts on that?
1: Uh
3: not at the moment no.
5: Sorry, I'm back and forth. I'm doing some work, but um Yeah.
0: Cool man. yeah I I mean this is what we're gonna get at the end of the day is like these politicians just being completely out of touch of what's what's happening you know and this is kind of like why I think um why I'm kind of discouraged by like the libertarian party uh in the politics there you know it's like you're going you're trying to get elected to roll back the state and it's just kind of, you know, counterproductive at the end of the day because I feel like getting people to engage in the political process gives it legitimate legitimacy. And, uh, Larkin Rose did this really, really good debate with, um, Josh Smith, who's a libertarian podcaster on the, the YouTube channel. I think it's called anarcho-poco and I tend to lean on the side of, um Larkin Rose in that debate where he just talked about like, you know, his big argument, his opening statement was essentially saying that, you know, the idea of like trying to elect a li- libertarian politicians is very similar to in the time of when slavery was legal, going and trying to come up with better working conditions for the slaves. Like the answer isn't better working conditions for, the slaves the answer is abolition and it's the same thing today when you look at what the state does what government does it is unbelievable just like we have a society that worships mass murderers and every 4 years they get the, everybody lines up and makes a big deal out of who they want to steal from them and who they want to go watch commit mass murder uh, across the globe who they want to uh, oversee the government, which then proceeds to go through millions of people in cages, many of which have done nothing nonviolent, have not broken any natural law, um, have done things consensually. And it's just deemed whatever their action is inappropriate by this ruling class. And it's insane. Like, you know, Cynthia Lomas might come out with some good sound bites, but, you know, the whole idea of, like, coming up with regulatory clarity for Bitcoin, I think is dumb. Like, I think the approach that's beneficial is, you know, we, we need to be like Scientology. You know, the Bitcoin companies that are out there and, like, shout out to Steve Barber this week. He was on fire uh, just shitting on the ESG narrative, and that was absolutely amazing. Um, to hear that of just, you know, we're going to fight tooth and nail. Like what Scientology did is awful as an organization as they are, is they went and they fought the IRS tooth and nail and they just acted like um, they just like sued individual like IRS uh, workers and just beat the government into a pulp until they submitted and gave them um, tax exemptions. And I think, that's the same idea that we can use as Bitcoiners, but we're much better. um, We're in a much stronger place to do that because we have money that's, that they can't confiscate as easily. And we have money that they can't censor. It's not like they can just come to us and shut down our bank accounts and it's game over. So. Yeah. So. Could, Rope, could you explain a little bit what was going on with the Jack Mahler's announcement? So, Shopify's integrating Lightning.
3: Yeah. So, Shopify with their uh, 6 million, whatever. I don't know if it was not, not 6 million, 37,000 customers, 400,000 storefronts, or something like that. Could be wrong about that, but the ballpark integrated that day. So, you. And he, like, you know, and he walked through, like, one of his uh, fashion brands that he's a huge fan of. And they did, like, a little hoodie thing where you can just go and buy, you know, whatever you want uh, with Lightning. And they partnered with, uh, what's it Blackhawk who uh does one of the, you know, is basically responsible for pretty much any, all the self-checkout terminals, uh, CVS, you know, Walgreens, Walmart, stuff like that to where it's uh, interoperable with Lightning. And then also it partnered with uh, NCR maybe, which is like the sixth largest point of sale terminal provider in the world. Uh, it's like responsible for one in six, something like that of the point of sale terminals. Um, and I got some cheers, but it wasn't until like he went and like, he, uh, that he showed the video where he was just went into this, uh, you know, corner store in Chicago, I'm assuming, and, um, bought three separate items, three separate ways, all with lightning. Like he bought a Coke with, uh, with his sats, uh, over, uh, with lightning over, uh, with Tor, um, you know, scanning QR codes and he did it again, scanning QR code with cash app. And each time it was SAT's leaving his wallet but before it got into the cash register, it would turn into dollars. And, you know, obviously the merchants can choose whether they would want to keep Bitcoin or get dollars or Euros or whatever it is they want, fiat or, or Bitcoin and uh it was really uh Really pumped me up, and I think it pumped up a lot of other people. It was—I've watched it probably like four or five times. You went through like the the payment history, the payment network history, basically started in like 1949. like you know plutocrats like want didn't want to carry around all their cash, you know they want to because they didn't know how much caviar they were gonna get, which I thought that was funny because don't reptiles eat fish eggs too? Anyways, uh, so that's when they came up with like the little card uh method, you know, the first credit card quote unquote and walk through American Express, MasterCard and Discover and you know like Visa and like how uh, basically for like fifty-five years there's been no innovation in this area. It's just these rails, you have to use them, then walk through like the three percent fees they get added on, you know, basically your bank takes a cut, the the network takes a cut, and then the merchant's bank takes a cut. Of you know stri- a two-party transaction basically. There's five parties involved in a two-party transaction, and you know basically just showed how Bitcoin and Lightning were superior on every level. You know, there's no two to fifteen-day settlement. There's no fee. It's basically free as can be. You know, you know there's slight sat charges. You know, but there's no <laughs> it's, it's apples to oranges really. And you know instant settlement. You know, and just showed on every level where it's just better. And then went and did it and got it on camera. And it was uh super bullish, super bullish. It uh, definitely, definitely got me pumped up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that'd be pretty dope. So the made it thing that comes to mind. Um, when I saw that, uh, cause I briefly like skimmed across that, that talk. Um, and then now as you're talking, it comes up again is, I feel like they're going to find a way to try and make it so that you can only really spend if you've KYC'd in some way, shape, or form. They're going to try and make that difficult for people that are privacy-focused. But let's hope that's not the case. We haven't seen it yet. Um, But yeah. It, I...
6: strike isn't very transparent and they don't have a great track record with privacy so I'd love to see the rails of that system I mean with what they did in El Salvador they were using tether so I just like I want to know I want to know what he's doing and I, I hope that he shows us
3: yeah. well to, to add on to that you know he when he used his lightning note over tour he used his zap wallet uh, when he used Cash App, obviously he used Cash App to, shrink, to send the stats. And then when he did the pay with QR code, he used uh, a Moon a Moon wallet. So he used it in different ways. And I'm not the most tech guy in this, but I'm assuming he, he kept, you know, harping on the interoperability, the open system. So I would think that would play in the in the hands of privacy focused individuals.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think like there's gonna be. Kind of a renaissance that happens in the short term, uh, where it's going to be really easy for you to spend. But I just don't feel like these parasites are going to give up that easy and let us just steamroll them. I think there's going to be a bit of a fight there, and we're going to see things get messy in the future. But you know, I could be wrong. I'm definitely pessimistic, and it's or not necessarily pessimistic. I, I'm very optimistic, but I'm I'm very also very wary. Uh, just because of what we've seen over the last two years and just the history, just studying history. These, these people are psychotic, evil individuals that hate human flourishing and freedom. But yeah, that might get me to actually shop at a Walmart for once if I can spend my corn there. Okay, gonna jump in the comments real quick. So, um, Chris says what's interesting about the desktop low terahash miners is way more people will do that as a plug and play option, way less people with initiative to hook up an S9 as home mining at home as things are today. I, I'm working on changing that. Um, so if anybody has a meetup, hit me up, I will send you an S9. I want to see. Uh, I want to support the home mining, home miners. I want people to be interested in mining. Mining at home doesn't always make sense. Um, it oftentimes is prohibitively expensive because of electric rates. And one of the things that I think is excited, the more people that get involved in mining and they start measuring everything in kilowatt hours, uh, it's going to move us as a society towards energy sources. And that's how we're going to settle and create our citadels and create the future. And that's going to bring human prosperity because wherever there's access to cheap, reliable electricity, that's where people flourish. And we're going to see that happen more and more in the future as we continue to um, innovate technologically. So I, I don't think there's really an excuse not to mine unless you live in a place where your electric rates are absolutely absurd. Um, at least in a small scale, just to learn about it and get interested. Like even if you're like me at 13 cents a kilowatt hour, um, cause your electric company blows and they're doing things like setting up solar panels and Tesla batteries, instead of actually investing in real infrastructure and lowering costs for the customers. Um, you can mine at a small level. Um, so, uh, let's see. Oh yeah. And then Chris also says, um, it'd be dope to have a full service company to, to come in and install Bitcoin miners to heat your house. And I totally agree. I mean, I've, I've been out there talking with electricians, uh, about this. I think there's a a legitimate business model that you can put forward where you specialize in installing infrastructure for Bitcoin miners at home. And I definitely like to see that. Um, there's definitely like a certain amount of knowledge you have to have to make sure the electrician does it right because, um, it's not always cut. Um, it's not always like super simple and they don't understand what you're wanting and needing. Um, I need to finish writing. I'm writing a article on that actually. Uh, but Yeah. I I heated my house with Bitcoin miners this winter and it was awesome. And you can do it too. And it's not that hard.
2: How would you compare the cost of, uh, of heating up with your, uh, with your miners compared to the cost of just regular heating?
0: Yeah. I mean, so if you have an electric heater, totally makes sense. Um, totally, totally makes sense. Uh, because electric heaters are expensive and the heat, that an S9 produces kind of offsets the heater. Um, So I think that makes sense Uh, for when you have a gas heater, it's incredibly inexpensive to heat your house. And we have a gas heater um, in our house and the gas line, actually we tried to get it flipped on uh, this winter and there was something broken in it. So the gas company told us they had to leave it off. So we just heated it with Bitcoin miners. So we didn't really have a choice on that. Um, But it's less economical at that point. But if you have, it just depends on your electric costs essentially. Um, Because like, I I think right now the break even for an S nine is about 10 cents a kilowatt hour. Um, And you know, if that's where you're at, then you're essentially just DCAing through your electric company heating your house and breaking even. Uh, if you're above that, like where I'm at, 13 cents a kilowatt hour, um, I'm mining at a negative. But you know, I can kind of justify that because my house is being heated, and so there's a trade-off there. So, like my option, alternative option is space heaters, um, which are you know expensive to run. Uh, when I'm heating a big house. Uh, so, yeah.
1: Can I try? <clears throat> Whoa, my voice is shot. Can I chime in?
0: Go for it, Jim.
1: <laughs> yeah, as a builder, I was talking about this stuff with some people setting up a house for Bitcoin mining and using the heat.
0: That was to my heat the house.
1: Well, I was talking to other people besides you. <laughs> um, but, because um, Al is building a house. Uh, So we were talking about the different things you want to put into the infrastructure. If you can calculate, excuse me, because as you know, I've been talking all week at at the Miami conference so my voice is shot. If you're building a house and you were going to incorporate the infrastructure to use Bitcoin miners to heat it, of course, that's only helpful in the summer, but you might still want to, I mean in the winter, but you might still want to mine in the summer. And so uh, a typical forced hot air system has a heating unit in the garage or the basement, and it heats a chamber uh, that has a blower behind it that can take that heated air and push it out into the house. So the idea would be to build a system that can flip back and forth between the Bitcoin miners and a traditional heating system so that if, in fact, the cost of running the Bitcoin miners was a net negative in terms of your ability to spend money to heat your house and take some additional money and buy some sats with that money versus turning on Bitcoin miners, heating your house and getting sats, what one costs you more or less? And the idea being that if <clears throat> SAT price is high enough, even if you're paying Uh, more money for electricity uh, than you would have to pay in some other energy to heat your house. The offset is that paying for the electricity to get sats, if that value is high enough, could actually make you a profit In, in heating your house at a higher rate, but you're also making money doing it to offset the overall cost, so your net might be a better deal. And so there's a lot that goes on, and it could change constantly with the difficulty adjustment, the hash rate, and the amount of SATs you're going to get per day on average, regardless of your electric rate. And so if you're going to do something like this, the idea would be to make sure that you have a system that can flip back and forth that so you're always spending the least amount of money to heat your house um, and acquire Bitcoin at the same time. When you're uh, when you look at them together as a package, and so uh, if you're going to set up your house like this, you want to put your miners essentially in a similar location as the heating system, tied into the ductwork, so that the heat coming out of those miners can be sent into the ductwork of the house and spread out throughout the whole house, versus just in the basement or coming up from the basement door or whatever. <clears throat> you don't want to be putting these miners in your living room and every bedroom heat every room. So you can build it into the infrastructure if you plan it in advance. Of course, you have to have your electrician put the right power to that area where those miners are going to sit. And you can also do a calculation as to how much heat they actually throw off and do a um, sort of a thermal uh, calculation on your entire house to know essentially how many Bitcoin miners do I need to eat my house on the coldest day uh, if I had to have them all running. So you can even know Uh, by doing enough um, calculating how many miners you should have in there, therefore how much electricity um, load you should have built into that area so that when you put those miners in, they all just could be plugged in and you're not popping circuits in a house or whatnot. So there's a lot to consider, but it's not that hard uh, when you have it in advance in your head that you want to do this. And then you have the the statistics on the miner – uh, potential minor revenue uh, of course the load you know requirements of those miners and, and then you now have like any anybody else that's going to do mining you have capex costs and you know, what's your capital expenditure and now it's not just the miners now it's creating conditions where these miners can be integrated into your heating system from day one and they can be used on and off depending on what makes more sense for you in terms of your overall budget heating a house and buying some Bitcoin with it versus just heating a house of miners and also getting Bitcoin as a side benefit. Uh, But it can be done. I think it's worth exploring for the right person with the right amount of money that can spend that upfront capital uh, uh, which may require a couple years to earn back uh, to the point where they actually are profitable on building that system instead of just throwing a heating system in the house and buying Bitcoin with the extra money for the last five years. You know, Was it worth it that I added created all this extra infrastructure to put miners in my house. And then five years later, was it a big waste of money or 10 years later? Uh, you know, if the price of Bitcoin goes up high enough, for a while, mining Bitcoin is going to be profitable, even at really high electric rates. But there might be a point in time where that levels up. And now you've built all this infrastructure in this house that might not be worth running anymore. Uh, if it's your house and it's 20 years later and you made your money back, then it doesn't matter. The next guy buying the house might not need any of that shit if the price of bitcoin levels out to some point where you know it's just not profitable because again like you said tucson you live in a place where the electric rate's very high if the sat rate uh, you know exchange rate was high enough it wouldn't matter your electric rate because you'd offset it by the sat you earn so anyway that's my take as a builder this can definitely be done i'd be more than happy to help uh uh anybody interested like help figure it out you know what i mean like give my input uh, because I think it's very interesting and as a builder, uh, you know, if I was building a brand new house, I'd certainly consider it. So I've talked enough. Thank you for letting me you know, spit out my, whatever little knowledge I have in my head, but I really should probably shut up because my voice is shot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was hanging out with Jim and Walton was there, not all tarantula, but yeah, I was telling Jim it would be kind of a cool, um, experiment to do. Jim builds houses. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you bring up an interesting point as far as like thinking for the long term, uh, because, you know, Bitcoin miners, you know, the typical lifespan that people are aiming to use them for is like only two years. It's, you know, they're wanting to ROI and then get onto the next machine. Um, so it's it's kind of a short term play. Like I, I just turned my house essentially into a Bitcoin trap house and had S9s, like Jim was saying, kind of strewn around the house. And, you know, one of which I put in a cooler, like an igloo cooler. It was like 20 bucks and then got a hose and just dragged the hose to wherever I was hanging out. Um, and so that's that's more or so of what I'm thinking. Uh, but you could get fancy. I know RW, um, who works for Upstream Data, he's been posting his experiment of putting his S9 into the ventilation system, um, but yeah, it's it, it's right.
1: So the uh, the long term, you know, the long term play here is that miners can last ten years or more, and yeah. the idea being that as long as the hash, as long as the price goes up enough, whatever amount of hash rate you have still might allow you to generate enough stats to be profitable. That putting in that infrastructure, like instead of having miners all over the house and you're going to do it for a short period of time, you're thinking more long term. But again, you have to, somebody has to sit and do the run the numbers, you know, see under this circumstance what happens in that one and that one and all the different variables and then find out if it really makes statistical, logical sense to go through all that effort because you don't know until you've done it, whether or not it's going to be profitable. You have to make projections. Then you gotta spend a lot of money in advance, hoping it's worthwhile. So there's a lot there, but my sense is it can be done and it would be profitable, but I haven't run the numbers. So it's just a sense, right? So take that for what it's worth, right? I might run the numbers and go, holy shit, I was talking out of my ass that day, because it doesn't make any sense. I have no idea. It feels like it could work. Yeah.
0: Hey, I just want to give a quick shout out to Top Roller, Got to hang out with Top Roller this week. Um, Top Roller bought an NFT to bring to Miami, but it broke down and got stuck in the shop, so he couldn't bring it down. So that was kind of a bummer. Sorry about your NFT, boss.
4: Wait. Actually, there's some kind of truth to that, but it's not enough of an NFT. It's
0: a nice thing. I just
4: bought a brand-new pickup truck, and... Like, it came with a defective torque converter, so like I had to take my wife's car. It was so embarrassing.
0: Yeah, it's an NFT. It's a nice fucking truck. We're rebranding here.
1: Good one. I didn't know what you were talking about for a second. and yeah, now it makes
2: sense.
1: <laughs> Yo, Top Roller, it was nice to meet you. I wish we got more time to talk. I I was shocked. I thought you were much older. <laughs> I don't know why. But uh, uh, props to you, man, for all that you're, you're, you're doing. And I see your plan, what you're working towards, and it makes a lot of sense, man. Uh, we all got to think about the crazy world we're going to inherit in the next couple of years. And I think Top Role is planning quite well to uh, to be resilient to the bullshit.
4: Yeah, I mean, part of what's going on, like, I feel like Bitcoin is so... It's not, like, done. It'll never be done. But, like, it's, even though it's not... At, it's kind of almost to the part where developmentally like people could actually start really using it now, but it's really up to like the guys like us to start to offer it in our businesses and stuff. So, I mean, I'm at a point in my life where like working for a corporation is just, it's almost like beneath me at this point. Cause I, you know, just become too experienced in life for that stuff anymore. So I, I, you know, Everyone's better than working for a corporation, unless you just feel like working for a corporation, but you're, literally you're all better than that. You really should all start your own businesses after you, after you get the capital. And, you know, once it, part, part, of, part of what we have to do as people is, is first bring ourselves up to the point where we feel like the job is beneath us and then start our own businesses and then offer, offer a Bitcoin incentives uh, for, for savings plans for your employees.
0: Yeah, I think that's incredibly important right now. I was reading uh, um, When Money Dies a couple weeks ago, and this has been a meme or a theme I've been trying to explain to people. Is like the solution is not to go to your employer right now and demand higher wages. The, the solution is to opt out into a stable currency and offering those Bitcoin incentives for employees is a game changer. I think just in any way, shape, or form, and the the employer that I work for, you know that that's been the approach I've taken, and they've been pretty receptive to it, and we've had a lot of success. I think that's huge.
4: So yeah, I, I definitely think it's important to remember that the whole course of things going on is not totally up to the developers. I don't know. That's kind of what I came here to say. I hope you all feel the same.
0: Yeah, the dev the greedy devs taking all the funding. Don't forget about the open source memers. Is that what you mean?
4: No, I mean like the actual people programming Bitcoin, like uh, like putting the commits in to see if they get accepted or not. Like obviously those Bitcoin wouldn't exist without those people, but we can't we you know we can't get uh we're not gonna be able to truly get it off the runway until until we start um. Uh, like kind of just throwing it out there. Like, you know, it's a good savings tool. Like, you know, you know, like, you know, if you have a company or something like add it to one of the things that people can, uh, can elect to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely like, I, I've been thinking through the lens of Bitcoin mining everywhere I go. And, uh, you know, one thing that really amazes me is how much untapped, um, or unused electricity, there is out there and how many opportunities there are to integrate mining into your business in some way, shape or form. And I had some Arizona gold miners, uh, like physically mining in the ground approach me on Bitcoin mining because they have extra capacity at their mine on some generators that they run to power water pumps. And I think that's super interesting and there's a guy at the local meetup that wants to set up an immersion rig in his uh, his cafe that he's starting um and i think that's super super interesting because you you can have um a immersion tank with you know some super gay leds that looks kind of fun and cool and essentially subsidize the entire electric bill with bitcoin mining um I think there's so many opportunities like that that are interesting.
1: Hey, uh, something you said just a few minutes ago about, um, employee benefits. Pretty sure Swan is coming out with some kind of plan. I don't, I don't know how it works, but would make it easier for the employer to actually offer that. So I, I assume you would get your employees hooked up with Swan somehow, maybe the employer sends money to Swan and they deposit it into each employee's account. I, I don't even know. I'm, I'm totally guessing on that. I just know they're coming up with a way to help employers incentivize their employees by giving them Bitcoin. So it's, it's happening for sure.
4: Yeah, that sounds really awesome. Um, because like if you're only running a company with five or 10 people, you know, you can do that stuff like manually with them. But if you got like 100 people, you definitely going to need something to help you help scale that operation for the employees that are interested.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think one thing that would be really cool, and this is something I'm working on, is for the employer to become an Azteco vendor. um, And that way that they can offer KYC-free Bitcoin or what I like to call ethical Bitcoin to the employees and just make it super, super easy for them that they never have to go to the exchange and compromise their personal information to have access to Bitcoin and just at work right there, be able to buy it for cash.
4: No, sir, for Jim, I think we have to have a long Island Bitcoin party this summer, like a party.
1: Well, I'm all cool for having a party, but I'm seriously considering starting a meetup. I've been thinking about it for months. I actually found a place in Bayshore, which is right where I live, but it's in the middle of Long Island, that seemed like it'd be a great place, like a bar, restaurant kind of place where people could get food and drinks. They had enough room. They had this nice outdoor back patio with a you know big plastic tent over it, but it felt like a nice space that would be quiet enough to hang out especially during the week when it wouldn't be uh super crowded we can get a bunch of people just to get together and start socializing then we can maybe turn it into something else now a big one-time party that'd be great i have a feeling though that would go off much better if we start a meetup group and we get a bunch of people psyched then they'll all come to that big party then we can bring other people and have a really big party so uh i'm all for it and i'm actually going to try and make something happen this year
0: yeah, I'm bullish on meetups.
6: Oh, I, I'm going to have to set one up where I live too because the only one that I see is a it's a Bitcoiner group and it's all a bunch of fucking shitcoiners. I can't do it. I mean, I might actually just go there and tell them that they're all fucking shitcoiners and then leave. But I still need to make my own Bitcoin meetup because I can't take it anymore.
1: I'm in favor of that. Tell them they're all shit coiners. They need to know.
0: I don't know. I think it's a waste of time to even engage. But that's that's dope. They can all graduate the uh the shitcoiners, shit coinery and come over to your meetup. Yeah. That's that's what we did in Arizona. It's been incredibly successful. And super, super exciting. The stuff that we're doing. Um, Really, really cool gr- group. And wherever you are, there's Bitcoiners. It absolutely, you know, it really, really surprised me and amazed me just how many Bitcoiners came out of the, like, really, really good Bitcoiners came out of the woodwork um, to come to the meetups. And, yeah, if you need any help getting that launched, I'll be happy to share our playbook with you. If that'd be helpful.
6: That'd be awesome. Um, I'm, I'm pretty serious about it at this point. So, yeah, I'd appreciate any help.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, I left, I was on the plane on the way back. I also didn't wear my mask, Jim. Um, on the way back from, <laughs> yeah, on the way back from uh, Miami. And I was on fire. You know, it was like a spiritual experience for me and it was because I wasn't being bombarded with a bunch of bullshit. Uh, I was around my people. And I think that any way you, that you can replicate that locally is super important, you know, cause like things are going to get rough and things have been rough and we need to find ways to be sane and like hanging out with people on the internet is awesome. That is incredibly helpful for me, you know, personally, but there's something special about getting together with people in person.
6: Well, thank you. This has been a super inspiring week for getting this meetup going.
4: Yo, can I just throw in there, like, um, this was a the conference this year. was the first time I ever met with Bitcoiners, but like when I saw, how big the crowd really was, like how many people spent thousands and thousands of dollars to go there just to meet other plebs for like a couple days. And the fact that everyone was saying that it was like twice the size as the year before, I I like, every doubt I've ever had in my mind that this, that, that this whole thing could fail has completely disappeared from my mind.
0: Yeah. Same. Yeah, it was pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, I think things are going forward are going to be rough, but, you know, when it just comes down to it, people are going to make decisions based off of incentives and people want to eat and people want to survive and people want to do well. They don't want to be living in pods and eating bugs. And that's why we're going to win. They're going to choose Bitcoin.
1: Oh, you just crushed my dream. I like pods and bugs.
0: Are you going to pivot your uh, your house building business? Is there going to be like a little ant box?
1: Um, no, I'm, build, I'm building ha- NFT houses next. Are you kidding me? Digital. Everything's going to be the metaverse. I'm taking over.
0: I, I can see Surfer Jim right now creating like little Minecraft universes for people.
4: Uh, you gotta you gotta stick build those houses in the in the uh, whatever verse it's called.
1: The metaverse, everything's digital.
0: It seems like that really hasn't taken off. What is what there is, is
1: there is no fucking metaverse. It's bullshit. It's behind the sky bullshit. There's, you can have three D interaction gaming call it whatever you want, it's fucking fake. It's digital. It's not real. It's not, there's no proof of work. Um, it's whatever. Whoever thinks that this metaverse is going to be a some kind of universal utopia, we're all going to hang out in regularly, it's a joke. The fucking real you world know. is where it happens, not on the internet, mm-hmm. not
4: on a computer screen. Surfer Jim, um, you're probably... Did You you didn't participate in like when World of Warcraft came out, whatever it was, like 15 years ago,
1: did you? I've never played a video game ever.
4: All right. So what I it, it, the people that are doing this metaverse thing, I think it sucks the way they're doing it. Because when I think back to like when World of Warcraft was coming out and how revolutionary that experience was, to me, like the metaverse is falling flat on its face because they're not even making it fun to meet up with people. So, I mean, I guess it would be cool if if it was just like a giant video game platform and you had an avatar that could run around and you can find, like, people that are like yourself in certain digital rooms or whatever that you actually, like, I guess, walk into or whatever, but they're completely screwing up the whole thing, in my opinion.
1: Well, you can take charge and build the thing that you think it should be because, you know what, anybody can. Uh, It's digital. Build it. And, uh, And if it's good, people will come, no?
6: Yeah, I mean they
3: have. Yeah, the real metaverse will be built on like Bitcoin, is what I would always, I've always thought. But I don't
4: know. That's just me.
6: Uh, keep that shit off Bitcoin, please.
4: I like that. Yeah, it's literally it's a video game, and they got to start treating it like that. Otherwise, otherwise, it's just not going to go anywhere. So if they if they want this metaverse thing to exist, it's just basically just a 3D version of uh like Steam where you download games and then play with everyone you know what I mean if, if, if they don't go that route they're, they're losing it like they, they've lost me already because I don't even understand what they're doing
0: yeah I mean the metaverse I think is it's like a cool concept The virtual reality is a cool concept it kind of freaks me out because I get way too immersed in it and so I'm not really going to participate in that because uh, I value not being a Internet vegetable. Um, but yeah. Zorn says that Metaverse is the new hula hoop. I think that's funny.
1: Well, if it is, it's going to last a long time because the hula hoop has been around for well over 50 years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, okay. So this kind of, I'm going to go off of what B said. Yeah. Like, I agree. I think there's a lot of things that, you know the answer to shitcoinery isn't to build shitcoins on bitcoin um and that's my my thoughts on the whole stablecoin thing i'm i don't really care um i don't think it's magically better just because it's a shitcoin built built on bitcoin um there might be some use cases for people out there and i get that and i'm not going to trash individuals using stablecoins um you know out of necessity uh but i think it'd be cooler and more beneficial for them in the long run to to use Bitcoin, but um, yeah, I mean, like I think at the end of the day, um, you know, Jim talked about this a lot at uh, Pork Fest last year when he was arguing with the Filecoin guy uh, that what a blockchain allows for, it, and what it is built for is to create, is to facilitate, and it, um, or it's money. You know, a blockchain is good for money, and that's this ultimate use case.
1: Can and, I? Can I? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Can I elaborate essentially on my definition? What you're trying to say? You know, how I put it. Is no, that okay? Yeah, go for it. All right. So essentially, a blockchain could do one thing, or let's say two things. Um, the you mentioned called a blockchain has the ability capacity. Uh, in the way it operates to create digital files that require a digital signature to uh, move those files. Um, The movement of those files is then replicated on every computer that is within a closed-loop system so that everybody stays synced Every in our case, in Bitcoin, every 10 minutes. Uh, And so the system creates digital files and moves them around. That's it. That's it. That's all it fucking does. It's like a giant spreadsheet, and you have a box, and I have a box, and there's a number in my box, and there's no number in your box, and I'm going to send something to your box. That's all the fucking blockchain does. That's it. You can't tie it to the fucking real world. You can't do nothing with it, but create and move fucking digital files. I can't stand what people think Bitcoin might actually be beyond that. The only reason it works as money is because human beings decided to give value to those digital files, They give value to the files because we believe only so many of them will be created. And we know you can't move them within that closed loop system unless you have that signature, that private key that allows you to sign a message and say, move it from this box to that box. That is it. That's all it does. Everybody get it straight, right? You want to put value on that? Go ahead. Right now, people think one of those digital files worth $39,626 on my screen, right? And that changes all the time, like everything on this planet. Everything is subjectively valued by every individual. It doesn't matter what the market price is for anything. What do you say it is, right? And then every 10 minutes, the entire world agrees on the updated state of who controls what digital file. The price of that digital file, the blockchain, Bitcoin network doesn't give a shit about. That's a human construct. We give to it. All right. That's the end of my rant.
4: yo Jim, so check this out. To go along with what, well, what you're saying is exactly right. But if you have an advanced point of sale that was built into the back of like video games and stuff like that, you can make it appear to people who don't know what you're talking about that it is the other thing that they claim it is. Meanwhile, it's really the thing that you said it was.
1: What's the other thing they claim it is though?
4: Like that it's like all the flight, you can put like actual data on it and stuff when like you really can't.
1: The issue is not, well, let me put it to you this way. If you want to link anything in the outside world to one of these files, you essentially have Sorry, I'm trying to finish my dinner. <laughs> you essentially have a trusted third party outside of that closed loop system that is now introducing something into it. Now, you could put information in a Bitcoin transaction in the op return code section, and you're introducing outside information. But it's simply just data that is uh, that, that is. Um, not um it can't be executed automatically um, if it's a contract for example you can you can hash anything and put it in a bitcoin transaction you can say on that day we both signed a contract that says you're going to do this for me okay the blockchain can't enforce that somebody in the real world has to enforce that what bitcoin has what the invention of bitcoin did was it allowed for the creation and the movement of these digital files and the regulation of the issuance of blocks to a, a roughly 10-minute interval that happens literally automatically with nobody on the outside telling it anything. It's in the code. It's the way it works. It literally self-adjusts, and that takes out of the equation the need to settle in the real world like in a court. All right. So anybody tells you they're going to link anything on the blockchain, we're going to sell corn on the blockchain, gold on the blockchain, house mortgages, no. Not without a trusted third party. Now, people could do it all day long. Just understand, you have people in the middle you have to trust. We built the system in Bitcoin. We, I say. I didn't build shit. I just post about it. But people build the system that allows for digital files to be moved around we can give them any value we want but a system that essentially once it's up and running nobody gets to alter it and fuck with it and and and, you know tell you on the outside well i decree that it's now yours instead of yours right like that's what they do in courts. they take money from one person give it to another person because they've set they've decided you know somebody else deserves it that ain't gonna apply in bitcoin unless you want to trust the third party uh, then you don't have Bitcoin and then you don't have essentially you don't have a system that can be a free world money Right money needs to be out of the control of all people. It also needs to be fungible and divisible and recognizable and all the features that money has uh, but the one feature we've never had in money is the Decentralization nature to where nobody controls it. So we create a system that has a decentralized system where uh, nobody can control the movement of digital files except the person who owns them. Okay, what can you do with that? Hmm. Well, if we value it well enough, it could be a monetary system. But that's all a fucking blockchain is good for right there. And we have one. We have one that no one controls. And that's why every other digital asset, cryptocurrency, fucking bullshit is exactly that. Absolute fucking bullshit all going to fucking zero, at least as money. You could be chucking cheese tokens all fucking day if you want, but it ain't going to be money. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell I'm passionate?
0: Yeah. I want to keep this conversation kind of left of the bell curve tonight because I am tired. Um, but where I was going with that is like, I'm a little bit skeptical of things like impervious. Uh, I mean, Well, we'll see how doing all this stuff on the lightning network works. Um, I mean it would be cool if it does but yeah the shit coins are coming to Bitcoin folks that's like Skeef and I did a episode one of our first episodes on BIP 300 and Paul was there shilling BIP 300 this week and yeah I mean I don't think the solution to killing shit coins is uh, to bring them on Bitcoin but We'll see. I mean, it I, I think, you know, doing a lot of these things on Bitcoin is just gonna be more difficult than it's worth. And there's ways to create distributed networks of communication without having to necessarily build it on Bitcoin.
4: And I think So there is an area of video games where doing a blockchain thing might be worthwhile if the video game is huge enough. Something like only something like World of Warcraft would benefit of it. Because imagine, like, they had a sword in the game that was only supposed to have 10 of them, right? And the only thing you record on that blockchain is certain player owns this, and then if some of these players stop playing the game, then those, it- then, then those items become inaccessible to other players. But um, you still have to use an outside currency like Bitcoin to actually do, if the players were going to do, like, transactions. Um,
2: yeah,
1: but definitely- that would be the
4: only way to... To fairly recognize who has the limited items in the game so Zebedee is work
1: as has already integrated um, Bitcoin into gaming they even have an API that any gaming company can insert into their code and, and instantly have Bitcoin as rewards instead of just points um, I don't know to what extent you can do all the different things like some of the things you described but I actually believe that one day that's going to be ubiquitous. Every video game is going to have Bitcoin as its rewards because it's real money. And, you, yeah, and, of course, you need to be able to take it out of the game. So it's one thing to own a digital item in the game, like you were saying. But if you just simply are earning points, but instead it's sats, you want to take them out of the game, you have to be able to because that's real money. So uh, I believe that's where gaming is going to go because that's the real incentive for kids to play. And these gaming companies want they want kids to play, they, you know, the huge industry. So I think it's going to happen. I can't tell what um, iteration it's going to look like, but I definitely think it's going to happen.
3: That sounds like the metaverse to me.
0: <laughs> now, Yeah, Zebedee's got a couple games out, like phone games right now where you can earn uh, sats. They've got like that brick breaker game which is kind of fun. I've earned like 3,000 sats playing that game because I like to play phone games periodically when I'm just zoning off. Um, But yeah, it's cool. But yeah, I I think so like to kind of summarize your point, Top Roller, uh, you played a lot of World of Warcraft back in the day. That's what I'm hearing.
4: Dude, I used to go to like parties that filled up entire barns. We'd all bring our computers and hook up to the Wi-Fi. Yeah. It would be like a keg there, but we'd all be playing World of Warcraft.
3: Yeah, I played it a little bit. It was it was fun back in the day. I enjoyed it. It's a night elf druid.
0: I tried
6: to what elf paladin.
0: Oh, let's go! I tried to play those games, but I can. I was so.
4: Yeah,
0: my my family,
4: kind of limited by you. the time for that. Like World of Warcraft was so revolutionary when it came out, like 15 or 20 years ago. The fun of it, 20 years later, it's not the same. I've tried to play some of them again in the last five years, and it's, it's the excitement's not there anymore. Nobody's innovated enough to bring customers like me back. You gotta bring something new and exciting now, and it's just all the all the games are the same
6: now. Yeah. And personally, I'm so unplugged. I'd, I'd rather be like talking to people or outside doing something with my hands than in a computer.
1: That's me for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's definitely some value to what you're talking about. And as far as creating scarcity, veribi- verifiable scarcity in video games. Um, and the idea of having this in-game economies is, is kind of wild. Um. There's, yeah, people spend ungodly amounts of money on these things. And there's definitely a market there. Um, Samson Mao's experimenting with it with his game Infinite Fleet. And we'll see how it goes. But, you know, for me,
6: it's. it's What's it it called?
0: Infinite Fleet.
6: Uh, Infinite Fleet? Yep. Like Shit Fleet? Yep. Uh, Check that out. Thank you.
0: Um, It's definitely not one of the most interesting things for me, but it could be a big
4: deal. And The current problem with what they're doing, uh, I'm sorry, the current problem with what they're doing is they keep trying to make it within the shitcoin, so the shitcoin does both the currency and the verification of the item, when really all they need to do is have an auction house in the game that operates on the Bitcoin Lightning Network and also verifies the transaction of the uh, the movement of the item on their in-house blockchain that only records uh, item circulations and and all they have to do is take a tiny cut like quarter for like tenth of a percent or something, and they'll be making a shit ton of money.
0: Yeah, well there you go, business ideas. Oh. let's see what other topics I got tonight. Oh, one thing I thought was interesting was uh, Bitcoin Magazine's YouTube channel got nuked for a little bit.
6: Yeah, they were down for like uh, three or four hours. It was pretty interesting. Yeah.
0: I feel like that was intentional.
6: Oh, 100%. I mean, come on. whole channel goes down in the middle of the largest Bitcoin conference that's ever happened. Yeah.
0: I think, uh, you know, stuff like that is is done to kind of send a chilling effect. I think that's, you know, ultimately like how censorship is being used. I think like a lot of people point to the fact that, you know, they try and censor and control the information by just taking people off that are naysayers. But I think ultimately what they're trying to do is shape the, the behavior of everyone who sees that, um, they just need to make an example out of one person because in reality, they can't corral everybody. And it's interesting to, look, to kind of explore the psychology of censorship um, and surveillance in general on the average person because have any of y'all ever seen the meme of the panopticon? I don't think so. Okay, so like the panopticon... It, it's like this prison where there's the circle of cells and there's a guard tower in the middle. And so the cells are open, uh, but the guard tower is done in a way that it kind of obscures the watcher's ability or like the the watched ability to feed the watcher. And so it gives you the impression that you're constantly under the potential of being watched but there's no way that in the guard tower they can constantly be watching. And I, th- I feel like that's how the NSA is today. And it's kind of interesting. There's There's been some uh, conversations brought up as to whether Snowden was uh, um, kind of like a pre-planned disclosure, uh, which I'm not going to say I definitively believe, but it's kind of an interesting thought that he... Um, disclose that a bunch of us are being surveilled and nothing changes because I think just the knowledge of the collective, everybody collectively knowing that they're constantly being watched has a lot of power on all of us. But yeah, that's kind of my thought with the the whole Bitcoin magazine getting taken down the way it was and, and all, all the attention around it.
4: You talked
0: about. Did you say anything about intelligence agencies, real quick? Like yes or no? I mean, I I consider these big tech platforms like YouTube essentially intelligence agencies. I consider. Oh okay. Yeah, I consider a lot of the media um, intelligence agencies. Um, they they exist to perform it, create a narrative. I mean, I it we we live in a um you know world where there's like the line blurred between state and corporation is not uh, too tremendously clear uh, where that ends because there's this revolving door be- between these these federal agencies and these uh, media companies. And uh, yeah, I don't know if that's what you mean.
4: Yo, so I used to, like back in the day, I used to be in the, the army and I thought it would look nice on my resume if I actually like did intelligence work. Which I found out like nowadays it doesn't really do anything on a resume because it just qualifies you for sales and stuff. But, uh, um, what I was going to say is intelligence agencies are supposed to like actual agencies, not like YouTube, which is obviously doing exactly what you're saying. But, um, mm-hmm. so an intelligent, like an uh, actual intelligence person is supposed to, um, Keep quiet, like, like not reveal like what they're doing. Like sometimes you have to do it in public, but uh, you're supposed to make it at least confusing or make it look natural somehow, or, you know, kind of, kind of like, you know, talk about other stuff while you while you're doing whatever you're doing. But um, when things in real life become like apparent that somebody's fucking with stuff, it means they're literally desperate. It means that they're under so much pressure that they're willing to reveal their intentions. So trust trust that we are making such a, like not just us in this room, but like so, oh, so many millions of people out there are making such a difference that these people's backs are like up against the wall. So trust me on that. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, th- this is something that we've talked a lot about on this show that the cathedral's burning and they are getting desperate. But yeah. Has anybody read the, uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Yep. Yeah, I just finished it, listening to it on the plane on the way back. Um, I got some thoughts on it, so... Yeah, I mean, I think that part of the reason why Bitcoin is so powerful, Zorn's read it, too. Um, and I think... You know, part of the part of the reason why I'm so adamant about peer-to-peer networks of people transacting amongst each other and ethical Bitcoin instead of going through the KYC exchange is because it limits people's power to come in and manipulate the communities in the same way uh, that. Uh, you know, has traditionally been done. So this book, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, is this guy essentially a memoir talking about his time going in and, you know, doing all this fuckery in countries like Iran and, you know, through various countries in in South America Um, and essentially, you know, talking about this marriage between the intelligence agencies and these these private companies um, working at the behest of you know, larger individuals. And the end of the book comes around to him explaining that all of these things that have been done abroad are now happening, um, in the West in uh, developed countries like the U S. Um, and which made me think of ESG quite a bit. Um, and I think, you know, it's really easy to get caught up on, You know, a lot of the, you know, very silly things that are happening around us in this culture war and miss the economic side of things, which is really, you know, destabilizing and undercutting uh, the things that we're doing. But I think what what BlackRock is doing with buying all the houses is a major, major problem. Um, What's happening in the the farming communities uh, with all the small farmers getting put out of business uh, as a result of the fiat system is a major, major problem with a bunch of the local small mom and pop shops getting t- demolished by the lockdowns. Um, absolutely massive problem. And yeah, I just went off on a tangent. I don't remember what the original point I was trying to make, but it's an interesting book if you get into it. But yeah, I mean, as far as like intelligence agencies and, you know, psyops and, you know, people trying to, um, do those things that it seems like the majority of the US hit, recent US history it's been done to countries abroad but a lot of that stuff is coming home now um, and we're our communities are getting pillaged by these practices you got any thoughts on that David
2: Sorry, I, can, I, can, I was uh, doing something else. I didn't hear what you
0: said completely. Oh, just to summarize my long—my my, summarize my long tangent. Uh, the economic hitman practices of going in and pillaging other developing countries is now coming home. They're doing it here.
2: Yeah, that's been happening for for a minute. That's kind of what I've been saying like all along. Like we can't really trust these politicians and what they're trying to implement, even though it sounds good. Um, we see a lot of people rallying around them and it's like dude fuck them that that couldn't be for the people
4: yeah I was like you make me think of Dennis Porter because Dennis Porter doesn't get it like he thinks it's all about all just cryptocurrency and I think that guy's gonna run for office and he's gonna do the exact opposite of what he should do if he wins
0: (laughs) yeah Dennis Porter sucks. Actually, I can't say that. Dennis Porter is one of the sponsors of this podcast. Big shout out to Dennis Porter for helping make Toxic Airwaves possible. Um, Very generous with his uh, sponsorship donations. Uh, He uh, sends us in DMs his breaking tweets before they break to everybody else. So here at Toxic Airwaves, we can be Way ahead of the curve of everybody else getting our news directly from um Dennis hours before it breaks to all the you plebs Top roller do you say wait wait, can you expand on that? Is Dennis Porter a shit coiner
4: oh, dude. Back in the day, like when he first came into the space, there was this incident that happened between me and Mike Alfred. And then Dennis Porter was like, uh, upset about it because he was hosting the room and, you know, a bunch of DMs happened between me and Dennis Porter. So I kind of understand, like, what he's doing. Um, and I think he's pretty agnostic, point agnostic. And I mean, obviously, like, he's always going to talk about those things, but, like, for audience-wise. But
2: I do believe that it would be,
0: so as as a as they be off, Gotcha. Yeah, it makes sense. Here's a here's an idea I kind of want to throw out to explore on. So, the, like, there's all this talk of like needing regulation in the Bitcoin space, and I wonder, like, if we threw all the regulations out and threw KYC out if that would actually expedite uh, Bitcoin adoption and shitcoins dying rather than increase the shitcoinery. Anybody have any thoughts on that? It's
2: probably the opposite for the normies. Most of the normies, they like a lot of security, so they kind of like regulation in some ways.
4: Well, let's, hope, let's, let's, let's delve into that a little bit. So, like, what regulations do you want? Like, if you're going to let somebody else house your money, do you want there to be a regulation that says there has to be precise accounting of your money? And uh, regulations to say that, you know, on demand, that that, that that person has to deliver you your money if, if, if you did so demand it. Those regulations are fine. I, I appreciate stuff like that. But regulation that's just overly bearing, Um, to, like, where... If, some, if I was going to have the KYCU to give you money, that would be ridiculous.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting about that. Like, if you think about what was the result of Mount Gox, everybody, there was this huge, massive emphasis on self-custody. And if that's the precedent, uh, because everything is you know, so wild West from an exchange standpoint, um, and people don't have any, you know, certainty from a regulatory standpoint, they're going to, you know, go to ultimately what's, what's trusted and safe. And so I almost feel like people be less likely to engage in these NFTs and all the stupid stuff, because like what the average normie looks like is they look at like something like Gemini or Kraken or, you know, whichever one Coinbase, um, and they they assume that there's some legitimacy to it because of regulations. They're a U.S. based company, um, so I almost feel like the regulations in the space encourage shit coinery.
4: Can you elaborate on on that? Like, do you mean like the desperation to try to to try to beat the markets and 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 with taxes included? Are you talking about that? Like, is that what you mean, or something else?
0: Well, I mean, I, I just feel like, you know, what your average person, you know, when they're engaging in shitcoinery, what they're doing is they're logging into what they deem is similar to a brokerage account in one of these exchanges. And they're more than likely leaving their shitcoins on the exchange and they buy a little bit. Um, I can't tell you how many people I know that bought small amounts of Dogecoin on Robinhood between 2017 and 2021. Um, and so I think that's that, you know, the mindset that they have, um, and that wouldn't be, if if everything was completely deregulated, um, and it was just like pure, pure craziness. I I feel like people would be less likely to, to opt into the shit coins and they'd look, be like, I just want Bitcoin. I just want to self custody it. Um, I don't trust this stuff
4: can I present to you the year of 2017 as a possible argument of what you're saying? Sure. There was no KYC anywhere. And I think the shit coinery was was like probably, I I know it's still big now, but I think the shit coinery was like more exciting to the normies back then than it is now. Yeah. And I
0: think a large part of that was because it was like pretty novel Given enough time and enough hacks and enough bullshit, I think it trends more in the way I'm talking about.
2: It doesn't help when the fucking exchanges are uh, are pushing these shit coins. Uh, people get so excited when number go up, and they keep on pushing this shit.
6: Yeah. Yeah, that's what I typically hear. Oh, well, you know, what shit coins should I be in? But, well. What should I be investing in? Sorry. And I, I just tell them to stay the, stay away from shit coins. Man, they're all, it's a casino. But that's the first question. It's always what's, what's the best investment?
0: A good, well-rounded portfolio consists of Bitcoin, bullets, and food with a long shelf life. That's my investment thesis. 100%.
6: Yep, couldn't agree more.
1: My investment thesis is education and then trade your shitty money for real money. It's not an investment. You're just getting real money.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is something I brought up with a lot of people is like we we live in this super inflationary time, and people... Think that they're getting rich, whilst their purchasing power is diminishing, and they're not really aware of their purchasing power diminishing. And there's this like complete detachment from reality, where they think that just throwing money at things is going to make them wealthy, when ultimately producing things of value is what creates wealth. And when you produce things of value, you want to be um, compensated and In a money that's stable, which is Bitcoin. That's the way I try to explain it to people.
4: On top of that, though, to add to that, to really, truly get to a point of where you start to feel successful, uh, it's just all about consistency of your purpose to whatever your, whatever your goals are. So even if you never reach, even if your goals keep changing, you technically are never going to reach them. But over time, you look back on where you are and where you were. And, you know, I I say to people, you'll be shocked how much you got accomplished as as, as long as you act with a consistent purpose.
2: Yeah. Purpose is fucking everything. Absolutely everything.
0: Yeah, I agree.
4: And it takes a lot of discipline, like self-discipline. A lot of you already know this. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir about about like this whole like discipline and self purpose and just uh, working towards continuing continuous goal. So that way, you always uh, are moving forward at least. You know, obviously your goals are going to change all the time. So you're never going to reach the goal that you originally set out for. But when you look back after you've accumulated like your life you know that life's work over that time obviously big holding like a stable like a actual solid money like bitcoin actually like helps towards that but yeah a lot of it really just starts with the sell. yeah
0: every day i wake up in the morning with the purpose of uh, being more like dennis porter
2: I like uh, the alt account, Penis, por- Penis Daughter. Yeah,
0: that's really funny.
2: Well, I can never keep the two separate.
0: Yeah, they're easy to mix up. Pennis Daughter has way more, way more. Uh, oh, Zorn says could be worse. He could be like Le- Lex Friedman. That's funny. I do have to say, though, Lex Friedman is kind of a badass. He does have a black belt in ground karate, which is not an easy achievement.
5: What's ground karate? I've never heard of that.
0: Uh, Brazilian jiu jitsu. I just call it ground karate.
5: That's kind of fucked up. I do jiu jitsu.
0: Yeah, jiu jitsu is dope.
4: Yo, Surfer Jim, dude like yo you're so, you're you're so in shape dude like how have you kept it up this long Whoa.
1: <laughs> what makes you think i'm so in shape
4: dude cuz when i saw you you move fast and lively
1: uh <laughs> well, i appreciate that <laughs> i have well all right i am in better shape than i was a couple of years ago that's for sure because I was getting old and fat and my surfing was horrible. And I felt like, what the fuck, man? The people my age still surfing good. And I had to get real, man. I looked in the mirror and I said, the guy in the mirror is the problem, not the world around me. So I changed my diet mostly. Uh, I eat mostly a carnivore diet. And for those who don't know about that, look into it. If you're not feeling great, if you're not in the best shape you can get in. And I'm not, I'm just still working towards it, but, uh, It's remarkable how running your body on fat for energy compared to carbohydrates for energy, what that does and how it feels, and it's mind-blowing. Aside from Bitcoin, it's one of the things I obsess about. So I want to make sure I'm doing it right, so I'm constantly teaching uh, myself and and just learning as much as I can about the right way to go about it. And uh, carbohydrates are the enemy. Uh, We essentially do not need any of them, including fruits and vegetables. We can live without them for decades. People have been doing it. Uh, But the narrative is such that people don't know that. They want you to eat all the processed bullshit, the seed oils, because they make a lot of money on that stuff. And, of course, that keeps you unhealthy, which gives pharmaceutical companies all kinds of reasons to make special pills that will fix everything instead of just fixing your diet. So they sell you the shit to make profits. They keep you sick so they can sell you some pills so you can eat more shit. And it's just you know a horrible cycle. And luckily I broke it, you know. And uh, it's just really eating good. And i tell you another thing: when you run on fat, your energy level is through the roof. Like I'm hardly ever tired. I, I go on like last week in Miami, every night four to five hours sleep, and constant on the move every day, like all day. And I don't know, every day I made it. I didn't take a nap one single day, and Uh, Yeah, whatever. That's it. That's it. Just get your diet straight. Honestly, um, carnivore, ketogenic diet, that's the closest to uh, what's going to get you healthy, in my opinion.
0: I thought the way to be healthy was to drink six Red Bulls a day and only eat pizza.
1: Well, Neil has it because he's got the, the white claws down. So he can do like 20 or 30 a day and still bang out, you know, productivity. Bitcoin
2: mining, so I might have to look into
6: that. I don't know. I think alcohol is a shit coin, personally. Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah, I haven't been drunk in over twenty years. I totally agree.
4: Hot tarantula makes the drinks too strong. I'll, I'll I'll throw that in there.
0: Mm. So yeah, I I came up with the idea this week or today that a hot old tarantula reality tv show would be pretty dope curious what your guys' thoughts are
4: dude honestly i think i think that would like really motivate people that guy that guy's absolutely out of, out of, out of <laughs> just amazing
0: yeah i don't know how he does it he's a machine all of you people lurking down in the audience, go follow Hoddle Tarantula. That guy, he's got some signal.
6: I enjoyed it because he kind of jumped into spaces a bit during the conference. And it's like, yeah, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and just uh, see what he's up to.
0: He knows how to throw a party, I'll say that. Anywhere that guy goes, he's it's a party.
1: I will say that he is a stand-up guy. <clears throat> I met him last year. I saw him again this year. He's consistent. He's a hard worker. He understands the coin. Uh, he's not a shit coiner. Uh, and he's a, he's a unique guy, uh, fun guy, interesting guy. I uh, haven't been to any of his parties, so I'll have to check that out. But um, he's definitely a stand-up guy. If you look at the, people to follow with signal he's one of
0: them that's not true i was at one of his parties with you jim at the taco place we were there together
1: oh dude i didn't know i didn't realize you were calling that one of his parties that was excellent actually and i don't even eat tacos but the, the gathering of people was definitely awesome so all right i agree yeah
0: yeah yeah so Plotted in the chat says did we really need 500 speakers at the Mi- at miami this year um I kind of went over this earlier. I went to one talk. I went to the live RHR, and I was there because I love Marty and Matt, and I was also there to protest the Benz. We needed some counter counter protests because they tried to to come up with this stupid thing where they had signs saying support the bend, um, but they can't meme, so it kind of fell flat on its face. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think. You know, ultimately, where the conference has value is not going and sitting in speakers. I think the majority of us have listened to all these people talk um, a lot on podcasts. We've consumed endless Bitcoin content. Um, there's not going to be a ton of signal there, um, but it's being around other Bitcoiners. Uh, that's, yeah. Plus it says main, main Bitcoiners get sidelined to the secondary stage. Uh, main stages were just rich people who paid for slots. Yeah, uh, that might be a thing, but you know, the conference is cool. You got to talk to a lot of cool people. Um got to meet Surfer Jim, Top Roller, uh, Max, who's in the audience in person. Got to follow Hotel Tarantula around. And um so I think that's where it's worth it. And you could you could have a great conference experience by going to where it is without buying a conference ticket. I think even that would be pretty dope, just meeting people afterwards. Um, But yeah, Um, I wanted to talk about this with Skeefe. Skeefe's not on the podcast, um, or he's not here tonight. Uh, But I I thought that the war on Benz had ended. I I thought we won. Um, Zorn says, uh, I wish one day I was cool enough to meet Surfer Jim.
1: Dude, you're cool enough already. <clears throat> There's nothing special about me. I just don't give a shit. So I speak my mind more than most people are, are willing to. Most people have shit they don't want to lose, backlash they're worried about. And that's very legitimate. You know, um, our society doesn't tolerate uh, people that push back as hard as I do sometimes. But I am just a regular freaking dude. And I'm telling you, I can't believe the Bitcoin community has uh, accepted me as much as they have but uh nothing special man i'm just a dude just wants to be happy and live life and catch some waves and have some friends and get rid of the fucking government that's destroying our lives that's what i'd love to see you know like they're they're destroying lives those people are evil parasites and i'm um, i'm just so sick of it and i just can't shut up about it so i may m- make a lot of noise but uh i'm no different than anybody else listening right now we all just people trying to navigate a crazy world and I'm
0: just trying to do my best. I don't know. Jim, you, you slayed a billionaire in front of everybody. That's a pretty big deal. I slayed
1: nobody. The community slayed the guy. Stop just, fucking I, lying. God fucking damn. <laughs> I just started it. It was like I put a snowball at the top of the hill and the flood came along and kicked it down and it turned into an avalanche. That's all.
0: Yeah. Well, Pledit says hopefully the signal gets better next year. I have my doubts. I I also have my doubts. I I doubt it will. But again, I want to iterate. Being around the plebs was dope. And I got to talk to a lot of cool people. I got to talk to Luke Radowski. I've been following him for a while. Uh, I got to talk with Matt O'Dell. I got to meet him in person for the first time. He gave me a few minutes. Um, He was super busy, but he's just a really cool dude, you know? It feels good like these people I've listened to tons of their content to just give you you know their full attention for a few minutes um, and that's kind of what you get at these these things uh, that you won't get elsewhere so in that it's
1: That's totally the- yeah, totally worth it. Like the people that you listen to on a podcast that are you think are like smart and special and whatever and you get them face to face, they got a minute of your time they're the nicest people going like they really are i mean 90 percent. i don't even i don't i don't know everybody but it seems to me Bitcoiners go out of their way to help people that are serious that want to know that aren't you know coiners or, or trying to take advantage and even a guy like matt odell like when i first met him i went to a bit devs meeting in new york city i knew who he was he didn't know me i ended up just sitting next to him literally at the meeting and, you know, I'm, I'm like, Oh shit, it's Matt O'Dell, man. Or should I say something like once you get a thing? It's cool as hell, man. We're good friends now. I just was like, what's up? I'm Jim. That's all. He's a dude. It doesn't matter. Um, nobody, nobody is really special in this space. Just some people know some stuff that other people don't know. That's it. One day, I'll put, I'll put it to you this way. Everybody listening to my voice right now has the potential to be a major influencer 10 years from now because there's – well over 7 billion people on this planet that have no idea what Bitcoin is. And everybody listening to me right now is already ahead of them. So you can all be Matt O'Dell, Michael Saylor kind of person someday. If you want that, be that person. Be, you know, go learn what you got to learn. Start talking to the right people. Make the right connections. And all of a sudden people will be listening to you and going, that guy's smart. Maybe he knows what he's talking about. You know, become that person. It's not that hard. And no one's stopping you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Be the person that takes news stories, tweets them out with breaking beforehand.
4: We're all Dennis Porter. And, and you have to say it before you've even confirmed if it's true or not. Mm.
0: Yeah. You can you can go and delete the, the tweet if uh, it was wrong. Or you can keep it up and be proud of uh, being an agent, a, a Russian bot an agent of disinformation. Um, well, I wanted to, I'm going to talk about this again next week and get Steve's thoughts on it because he was the orchestrator of the, the war on Ben's. Uh, but it was pretty funny at the conference, all the stuff that was going on. And, you know, I thought that the conference would be the peak of the, the, the battle between the Ben's and the anti Ben's, but it seems like that's, where it really just kind of got started and is continuing on afterwards. Um, but it it was awesome during RHR. Uh, a bunch of, uh, I mean, the battle just went on. Steve Barber got on stage with uh, I Support the Bens. Steve Barber chose the wrong side of history, it really fucked up bad there. Good on a lot of other things, but on on the Ben issue, he was really bad. Blockstream uh, tweeted out their support for the Benz, Really, you know, chose the wrong side. Um, so, Blockstream uh, messed up big time too. Um, Marty Bent retweeted Blockstream said "fuck the bends." Um, yeah, the war the war is heating up. I thought it, I thought it was over, but it's getting interesting.
1: I thought it was hilarious. At RHR, because I didn't know it was coming. And so, uh, <clears throat> let the war continue. The, the battle of the Bens against the uh, non-Benz was an interesting thing to watch. And I'm uh, happy to be a, a, a sideline participant, so to speak. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, at, at this point, it's not really a battle. It's just more of us... Uh, going out and teaching people about the bad things that the Bens are doing and trying to subvert all the male names in Bitcoin. Um, the, the Bens aren't really a v- very good opponent because they can't meme. They're just not very good at this. Um, they thought that they had this thing in the bag by creating a cabal and trying to um, say stupid collectivist nonsense like, we're all Bens and, you know. Act all innocent, but once the light was shown on them, they're they're really struggling to get a foothold.
2: I just love how Bitcoiners are not at all fucking worried about some multi-tiered lower level thing like the IMF or the WEF that we're concerned about. Ben, I love it.
0: Well, you know, like ESG and in the Benz and you know all this stuff that is deemed as threats to Bitcoin. It it's all just you know, distracting from the real issue here, which is the social attack on Bitcoiners.
4: So I got a plan for the next conference. Um, Well, the next like big conference, but but they'll probably do it in some like really touristy city again. But um, my personal plan is eat twice as much protein, work out twice as much, get my six pack abs back, And uh, try to encourage other people to do that between now and then, also. And then we all show up at like, uh, you know, either the park or the beach where the where the calisthenic workout thing is, and uh, you know, get pumped each morning before the before the conference. I think that would be fucking awesome.
0: Yeah. Everybody'd have to be sober to do that. But that is a great idea.
1: Well, I would qualify.
0: Um. Yep. Okay. I I definitely am going to get on board with that top roller. I had the same thought. I need to get back in shape. Um Okay, so serious issue to kind of finish up on before I end the stream. Um so Planet says I'm a bit worried about Jack that Jack Maulers might be front running actual merchant adoption from BTC Pay. Uh would rather have BTC Pay be merchant software and not use centralized services like strike. And I think that goes for open node as well. And, you know, I have to admit recently I've been a supporter of open node, but I think that's a serious issue. Um, I think, you know, the problem is we need to get education around managing lightning channels. It's not that hard to, 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 Host a BCC Pay server instance. Um, I've done it and I'm kind of technically regarded a little bit. Um, but uh, I think ultimately, like the ultimate, like what we saw happen in Canada is going to be the biggest catalyst for services like BCC Pay server. Um, and we're probably going to see you know, strike in some way be co-opted. And there's a very good argument that because strike is a KY seed service, it is already co-opted. Um, so,
4: yeah. So very good thought. Um, the strike thing, um, probably good for small retailers, that you know, like the technology illiterate guys, um, but then, if, when you have like big services, where there's like a lot of transactions and uh, big money going in, like businesses that do like a hundred million revenue a year, they're going to use BTC BTC Pay Server because they're not going to want—at um, least some of them, many of them—are not going to want um, to lose custody of anything. And will, pro- you know, it's—it's—it's—it's it, 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 once your business is big enough, it's cheaper to do all the accounting in house. Account. So the manual solutions like BTC Pay Server will, will will definitely have a huge impact there. Um, technology, literally, people like in this room obviously are going to do uh, PCC Pay Server and stuff like that if that, if applicable in uh, your business. Um, but yeah, I do think it. Even though Strike can be co-opted, it still has it still has its place. It's not what we're going to prefer, but uh, just wanted to say that.
1: Yeah. I'd like to to give my perspective on what his announcement means, actually. Um, My understanding is that because of the way Strike works, he was able to go to the companies that are behind the scenes that make the existing rails work, the money transfer agents that are allowing your Visa card to work with the banking system so that the merchant eventually gets paid. And I believe what he offered them was literally just different rails to accomplish the same thing so that they spend less money and essentially earn more profits. But on top of that, once the functionality is built into the system, any merchant, that has those people as their back end who have the ability to offer a qr code to a purchaser at point of sale that that purchaser can spend dollars or bitcoin and that the merchant can receive dollars or bitcoin because the conversion mechanism is behind the scenes so that any merchant has to like flip a switch to allow that functionality to uh, work for them versus what they wouldn't see as being a system behind the scenes they don't know is even there accomplishing exactly what they've been accomplishing already. Now to separate that from BTC Pay Server, and I and I agree with what Top Roller said, <clears throat> they're using essential essentially a centralized entity to help them facilitate this. As they're currently doing all the systems or all the all the different people that run the current systems, each one of them is a centralized uh point of failure, so to speak. And so for those merchants who actually want to get Bitcoin for their for their remittance, right? That's where BTC Pay really shines. And that's where they take full control of the payment network. There is no behind the scenes anything. Payment gets paid in Bitcoin directly to your wallet in BTC Pay Service. What and, Jack Mallow's introduced sense. is not that at all.
2: That makes sense, Jim. But are you a flat alsa or a rounder?
1: Oh, definitely round, but not too round.
2: Where's the sort of like fine line in between?
1: Uh, there's a ratio that you have to um, you have to work out between top and bottom. And so it really depends on what's uh, what's located, you know, how much roundness is located in each position.
2: I just so some sort of proof of work is involved, unlike Tucson's, you know, hosting ability is what you're saying. The proof of
1: work is in what you see, because if the work was not done, what you see is not going to be what you want.
2: Makes total total sense. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Glad I could be of service, young man. I really appreciate your inquisitiveness. Anytime, brother.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Two songs. Thank you. I appreciate it. Where's Wayne Is kiss? Is he part of the speakers here? No. Wednesday
1: night. Bitcoin kindergarten.
0: Ben's just plain dumb. He knows the difference.
2: Where's that guy with the super tan legs?
0: Nah. So Ben, do you think the did the, the council accomplish their dastardly goals this conference
2: or not? Well, I mean you we all see that the block string stands the bands, that TFTC or Metadell stands with the bands. What else do we see? I mean, there really just seems one guy Geek, that seems against the bends, and he's what like zero point one of the bends. So, I mean, I think we're pretty good. What do you reckon? I
0: don't know. Do you see, like, what 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 is the goal to accomplish here? Is it to change hardened minds of the plebs or get a bunch of uh, influencers supporting your cause? Because if you astroturf this thing you know, with, with influencers, you know, that, that's essentially what you're, what you're arguing for. Like, I think, I think people are understanding. Like I was talking, there was a guy today, he's, he's in the spaces. He's got the dog, uh, um, thing. I see you down there, Vivek. I know that that was you with that stupid tweet from the blockstream account. Um, but there's this guy with the dog, uh, profile picture. Who was debating? Uh, uh, it, his wife wanted to name their kids some variation of Ben, and he's like, "Fuck no, I'm not naming my kid Ben." Like that—that that is real influence right here. But getting like sure. St- Steve I Barber mean- to like stand on the stage, or you know, getting Vivek to post something about Ben's and and say that that's the stance of Blockstream. Like that's not—that's not doing anything substantial.
2: First and foremost, uh, Steve Barber is not part of Blockstream. Like, let's separate that oh. as, a, as a first point there. Secondly, Steve Barber has named his son Ben. And we're currently deliberating whether or not we give Steve Barber voting rights. Currently, the council agrees that, I mean, Steve can technically have a placeholder. For his son Ben, but it, it, it's non-voting in, in regards to the board's, you know, decisions. So, I mean, I, I agree with his perspective and like wanting to, you know, choose the side of the Benz. Obviously, it's the winning side, and that way he gets to, you know, make somewhat of an influence and show his admiration and support for the Benz Well, his son grows to be the best version that he can be, and therefore. Have somewhat of a higher standing of the Bitcoin Council of Benz, but you know, time would tell whether or not here's a great band to fit. Um, either way, Tucson, I mean, you and Ski's plans to sort of disrupt and create this divide and conquer, well, that failed miserably. I mean, the more you guys push, the better the marketing is for us, and the you know, ego, the better support that we have for the band. So you, you, you're, you're, you kind of like the Peter shift at this time of the point, just free marketing. It's rent free.
1: I'm not so sure though, because we're still talking about it. If you guys had won, this would be done and you wouldn't be trying to defend it right now. So yeah,
2: I'm not so sure. Just, anyway, you,
1: Steve Barber has been in the game.
2: You step in the way of that or do you just let it carry on? Well, so the free marketing
1: free. could tip it in, in, Favor in, against you guys, you know. So, like, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm still on the fence here. I mean, there's some good bends and there's some questionable bends out there. Okay. And, um, no, bro.
2: There's never, there's never, there's never been a good bend. Okay. Sure.
1: Well, I know so one
2: who thing. Who's the good bend? Who's the bad beans? Name,
1: Steve, name Wait, I just want to say Steve Barber has been in the game now, right? Instead of Skin in the game, so now you know why he's on your side.
2: <laughs> who's the good beans Who's the bad beans sir? Well, Steve Barber's name, kid is.
1: Steve Barber's kid is definitely a good Ben. He hasn't had time to become a toxic bad Ben yet, so I'm giving him the, the pass on that. Um, Are you beyond that,
2: toxicity is a negative aspect, though, Jim.
1: Well, no, I, I can't because I'm very toxic. So exactly. Regard, exactly. No. No, well, good
2: though, ben, name bad ben. Name them, Jim.
1: Don't no, me. no, no! I'm not making. I'm not making Ooh. those judgments. I just have a feeling that some is that of them are. You're
2: scared of the bends and the. Oh, uh, fuck yeah, out. man!
1: There's way too many of them at this point. I haven't. We oh, haven't sure. built up enough of an army to
2: really. Now have to cool. go at it. Yeah. You know? Jim, Ooh. I completely understand. I know where you're coming from. Um, as one of your fellow bands, I can provide some counsel and some support here. Um, basically, what I would say as a friend is. Be very fucking careful of what you say to. See,
1: I'm so
2: you- right, so, oh, I, so I I a
1: low time preference position though, because like you, you got to think like Bitcoin's
2: generational wealth. So anyone bringing children into this world and, 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 and like naming them Ben, like that's the real attack vector here, here. Okay, so like we need to defend the network against future Ben's. Yeah, I mean, quickly, you can uh, try, but at the same point, if you're gonna have a son and you want him to succeed in life, what is the better opportunity of him succeeding as a Bitcoin event or as like the other 49%? Do You know what I mean? Hey, Tucson. Just wanted to quickly let you know, you know, uh, nothing personal. Me and uh, Price happened to see each other, and uh, we just happened to strike a quick deal, and uh, the offer still remains on the table for you guys as well. Uh, I don't discriminate.
0: Yeah, that's okay. You guys chose the wrong side of history. Yeah, I mean, like, when you look at Steve Barber, I think what he did going up on stage is he was, like, you know, like his kid's six months old. So he named him Ben before he knew about the subversion. So he's just trying to cope. That's what's happening here.
1: That's a good point. He's riding riding the wave.
2: And the kid that he had looked older than you.
1: Oh, swam and a half. Holy shit.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's
0: there is no such good thing as a as a good bet. Well there's there's one Ben that I do like, and that's physical Bitcoin art. It's a bummer that he's not here right now. But he's a good Ben.
2: Tucson, you were just I I if I recall your tweets correctly, you were pretty stoked you didn't get punched in the face. I mean so all in all it's been a pretty good conference you made some good bins. Like what do you consider a good bin at this point? Um, Tucson Are people trying to punch you in the face? Because uh, we can fix this for a price
0: <laughs> I, I, I tweeted that I went to the conference And Kiwi didn't punch me in the face um, No, Tucson I wasn't. has
2: never been punched in the face
0: See you know here, Here's the thing is like I'm not afraid to get punched in the face If I'm telling the truth If that offends somebody, you know, I'll take a punch in the face and then I'll do some ground karate.
2: To be fair, though, like a a, a strong breeze would blow you over.
0: Maybe. But where I'm going with this is that, you know, you're essentially coming up here on stage and proving all of our points correct about the subversive bends.
2: You're not wrong. But I am one of many. We are legion.
0: Expect us. You heard it here, folks. I'm gonna keep the spaces open for a little bit. I just hit two hours on this stream, so I want to thank everybody for joining uh, Toxic Airwaves tonight. Bummer that Skeev couldn't be here. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have some more thoughts on the bends next week. Um, apparently, this battle isn't over. Um, it continues to to get more escalated and continues to get pumped into the mainstream of uh, of Bitcoin, and it might culminate into a panel next year. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, with- generational warfare, brother.
2: So it, it is just <laughs> getting started. And let me just say, um, if we recall some of case activism. Throughout the conference. Let us recall that. In a you know. A relative manner in the sense that. Skeet was one of maybe. 20. 30 people. that were pro Ben. There was. For every like 20 or 30 pro Ben. um, Support people we had. There was one Skeet. And it was literally just Skeet every time. So. I don't know like. Perhaps at like some point you realize you're part of the losing side and just you know try and join and and at that time like we may consider your application as a support member to the council of events maybe not i don't know you did be defied
0: i don't know that's a bullshit argument we don't believe in democracy or majority rule in the slightest and with that logic we might as well have just raised the block size of bitcoin
6: no, that,
2: that's board. an a relevant an analogy. We, we always agree on the pre-distribution of those who can, will. And in this regard, the bench can and do, and the skis are kind of just you know, left behind in the wind, and therefore are trying to make the democratic argument and a way to, you know, subvert and to make it a collectivist point of view, but it's, it's not necessarily the case in the sense that the bins are just inherently a higher, you know, status in the hierarchy of Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, whatever. That sounds like some fiat garbage.
2: Where where you sound like are, a Ben racist, bro. Like,
4: like a, a Ben supremacist. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, essentially what Kiwi's are arguing here is that we're a cooler because we have a club. We formed a club, and you're not allowed in.
2: No nature has always had some sort of like 8020 Pareto distribution. There's always been a hierarchical ask, you know aspect, and it just seems you know that the bends are just taking up that, that component.
0: Okay. Have fun staying poor, Kiwi. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for dropping into the stream tonight. Thanks for everybody participation participating in spaces. Zorn, Pledit, Chris, everybody in chat. Pleasure having you. Thanks for uh, keeping the show rolling, keeping me on track tonight. Skeef usually keeps me online. Um, adds a lot of value to the show. So looking forward to him being next back next week. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean we'll bring the fire. He, I want to get his take on, as, as the as the founder of the anti ben movement. Um, I definitely want to get his take. But before we go, uh, I don't really have too many announcements about what's going on with uh, the Arizona Bitcoin scene. Uh, we're gonna get meetups on they're rolling again. I think we took a couple weeks off because of uh, um, the conference. Everybody was there. All the organizers were. Uh, But we're going to get that up and rolling again. Super exciting stuff happening there. Uh, We're getting merchant adoption. We're getting, uh, I mean, we already have non-KYC or as I like to call ethical Bitcoin available for anybody that wants it at all the meetups. Um, But yeah, big shout out to our show sponsors, Dennis Porter. Uh, This show is presented by Dennis Porter. He is the one that makes it possible uh, he supports the show by sending us um, uh, his uh, breaking news before he tweets it out, so we get it hours in advance of all of you fools. And, uh, yeah, we're really on the... on. The Is
2: that before or after Dan Held say
0: <laughs> That's a good question. Good
2: one. <laughs> uh, I'll have to... Yo, <laughs> Tucson, while well, well,
1: I've got a break here, just want to thank you for always doing this on Monday nights. Gives me something to do while I'm getting organized and, uh, you know me, I love to rant about shit. So, uh, I appreciate it, uh, very much. And, uh, you know, everybody that's listening, and have a great night. Uh, it's late where I am. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump off now uh, and I'll talk to you next week or whenever, but, uh, again, thank you very much for doing this.
0: Sounds good. Thanks for dropping in Jim. All
2: right, guys. You later, get Jim. You later. Yeah.
1: All right, everybody. Bye. Have a great, yeah, man. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks.
2: I also so want
0: to. I also want to give a big shout out to our original sponsor, Dirtbags Bar, uh, best bar in the world. Uh, it's a great place to meet your future ex-wife. Uh, couldn't show wouldn't be possible without them. Um, so yeah, there's our sponsors. That's the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, hope to see you on Bitcoin Kindergarten Wednesday night. Uh, I got their hat on. Cool dudes got to meet them in person. That's the next the next thing. looking forward to the week. Talk to you later.